Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rollin' presented by FanDuel. Major season is here and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. podcast unlike any other the california swing is in our rearview mirror my birdie buddies this is fairway road on the regular podcast network i am your starter joe house my birdie buddies also in our rearview mirror is the Saudi Golf League. But right in front of us on the screen, our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, he was at Riviera last week. Nathan Hubbard is here. The first tee is wide open. We are strolling over, throwing a peg in the ground and ready to play some Florida-style golf, I guess. Nate, dog. A lot has happened in one week. How you doing, buddy? Pouring one out for the West Coast Swing. Pouring one out for maybe the Saudi Golf League. Pouring one out for Phil Mickelson. <laughs> Pouring one out for the scoring record at the Riv. But what a great swing. What a great tourney. I'm doing great. I got to walk Riviera last week. Yes. So let's start with that. Uh, there was history in the making at Riviera 
last week in the form of another intensely talented, super classy, young banger, Joaquin Neiman, hot on the heels of Scotty Scheffler as a super talented, uh, you know, um, intensely classy young fellow winning in Phoenix. Neiman shows up at Riv, drops two 63s on the dime Thursday, Friday, and puts us on scoring record notice. Now, he did not get the record ultimately, but all he had to do was sort of hang in there Yeah. Saturday, Sunday. It seemed like, and this is what I'm interested in your take, the weather was very conducive to scoring this week. How was it? Yes, the weather was conducive to scoring. I mean, it was a weird breeze that was swirling, so it was hard to sort of pick up. And there were days where the wind really was catching balls and throwing them down, especially as you get down the hill on the course into the area of five and six. Seven comes back up the hill, but 16 is down there. 17 comes back up. So all those down valley holes were tough regardless of the fact that the weather was bright and sunny, which, you know, to be clear in years past, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of rain. I'll say this, the course was firm and, uh, played difficult. The Kikuya is creeping into those fairways and changing a little bit of the way it plays like that, that par three that, that seems impossible Four. Yes. Right where you're standing on the tee and it looks like it's surrounded by bunkers. There's actually sort of an entry point on the right. The green slopes like 4% front to back. And the way that traditionally players have had to play that to hold the ball on the green is you got to land it short in the fairway and roll it onto the green. This year, balls were coming in and just getting stuck. They were plugging up there. And so you either had guys off the back of the green or stuck on the front. And it just... it it made the hole not so awesome. I'm on this because I, I, this is like the nitpickiest I can possibly be about what otherwise was just an absolutely beautiful in perfect shape golf course in perfect weather that I think to your point was definitely conducive to scoring, but I got to say, I'm kind of over the, well, the scores are only low because of the weather thing. The scores are low because Neiman is a great young player. And you know who was on his ass? Colin Morikawa and Cameron Young. We got a bunch of young guys who are taking these courses by storm uh, the, the first part of this year, having had the first break that they've really had in two years. And they're playing great golf, and it's fun as hell to watch. So I do want to acknowledge the role, if any, potential, whatever, of equipment. And... For you sure. have to because Tiger did. Tiger talked about it in his interview yeah. with Nance and Faldo. Yes. And we have on this show a couple of different times sort of mused about it. We've never like gone deep on it, but we've talked uh, um, about it and, and, the, and the role and effect, especially in the case of these younger players who've had the benefit of playing with the, the top level of equipment, the top level of technology and every turn of that technology, which is on like a 20, 24 month to 30 month, sort of 36 month cycle, you know, the yeah. R&D guys at these at the club manufacturers are pumping out innovation in the form of materials and, and making such enormous strides in terms of understanding 
the aerodynamics. And these young folks have had the benefit of playing what I think we've characterized as fearless golf. They Mm. fear nothing. They have been swinging as hard as they can for from the you know the first time anybody put a golf club in their hands, and they've had more success than not. And I think part of why they have that that you know sw- there's a whole slew of reasons, obviously, why the young guys come in and they're so ready these days. But I think one of them has to do with you know the the their ability to trust that the ball's going to behave the way that they anticipate yeah. and and get enormous length. I mean, the way that Joaquin Neiman swings, I got a text from a great uh, friend of mine who um, is like, this is so beautiful. And I said, watching him swing, the way he finishes, it, hurt, it hurts me. Yeah. It, it makes my yeah, body the hurt. spinal contorting yes, is scary. Yes, Look, yes. all those things should be benefiting older players too. I, I, I think what we're seeing, but you're right. They've all had the benefit so. of that. They've also had the benefit of being able to have their swing videoed from the time they were two. So they have a much more technical understanding of the game. Golf is more organized, so they've been able to play in more pressure situations. So they're more used to that. All of those things are yeah. contributing to it. Sure. But we have, I mean, here's the interesting question that I chatted about with a couple golfers on Sunday night. Do you think Tiger Woods would have 82 wins? In this day and age, I mean, played against this field of players. Are you asking me that question? Yes. Fuck yes, he would. You do. Yes, you, you think equivocal? Oh my god! Yes, he still yes. kicks everybody's ass in yes. the same way that he did. Yes, it wasn't yes. just like Hal Sutton's gut and no. Rich Beam. <laughs> no, no. The reason I was so emphatic and, was and emphatic. continue to earn our E rating here on Fairway Rolling is because his true innovation, the true genius to me of Tiger Woods is um, his competitiveness. Yeah. And that's not, who cares what, 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 where he, what track you put him on, what equipment you put in his hands. He's yeah. an unparalleled competitor, a yeah. Michael Jordan level competitor. And, I love this this crop of golfers coming up right now, especially the silent killer Morikawa. I'm, I mean, I don't know if anybody's given him a nickname, uh, and he may not might not like it, but I swear to God, he just sneaks up the board. He sneaks up the board, and then you're looking, and it's Sunday, and yep. there he is, T three on ten, yep. man, and it's like well, if anything goes sideways for the guys at the top, Colin Morikawa is coming. Yeah. So I just really, he above uh, all else, but Victor Hovland was in the mix as well. Yeah. But Victor I, I, didn't even play that well, except for, yeah. Sunday uh, was a great day for him, but, yeah. but we got to give our, our props to, to, to Neiman. I mean, you know, you just go through as is always my, my way, Justin Ray's Twitter, find all of the, you know, historical markers. He went wire to wire, uh, the the first at this event to do so since 1969, uh, Charlie mm. Sifford. He's yeah. the third youngest to go wire to wire since uh, 1970. So since 1970, the only two other guys have gone wire to wire that have been younger. I think Spieth and I can't remember who else. Maybe it's Thomas. Rory at the Masters. It's, oh, it's and Rory. Spieth at the U.S. Open. That's why well, this was even no more. Spieth at the Masters and Rory at the. Yeah, US excuse Open. me. Excuse me. Excuse oh, me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yes, yes, yes. Uh, 24 birdies are better. The most at this venue since 1988. 
second in the field in strokes gained around the green. And that fits, you know, very much what we, everybody kind of anticipates in the way of how you get um, to, to, to perform well at this venue. He did all of his damage in the, in the first two days. Like he was 21 under through 46 holes and then was whatever, you know, three over, uh, two over for the balance. And, and that's fine. That's a fine way to win the golf tournament. Yeah, it, it was his rounds on Thursday and Friday were the best rounds of the year, 2020, for sure. Uh, the ball striking was just incredible. The proximity of the hole was even better. And I'll tell you, there was a roar that came up on Saturday on 10 uh, when he chipped in for Eagle, where at that moment, it just felt like the tournament was over. He got himself to 21 under, and I get that he finished at 19. I, I actually think if it had been closer, he would have taken the scoring record because it... Mm the way that he played markedly changed coming into the weekend. I think he was trying to land the plane, thinking about making pars and just making everybody else push themselves as hard as they could to try to catch him. And as you say, the silent assassin nearly did. I thought Cam Young, he acquitted himself pretty well. I'm with uh, you. There, there was a couple moments where it looked like he was going to, the wheels was coming off. Yeah. Look, he, he dropped some approach shots into bunkers. He shouldn't have. And, you know, uh, there were there were signals that he wasn't the silent assassin, but he hung in there and sh certainly gave Neiman a push. But I don't think Neiman ever after, you know, the 10th hole on Saturday thought anything other than I'm trying to make par. And he talked about that in the interview um, with Amanda afterwards and some other uh, of the answers he gave in the, the press conference about that landing the plane concept and how there was a deliberate focus over the course of, of the weekend, he and his caddy collaborating on a mindset to land this thing. And he alluded to having gotten close over the last couple of years. He has a tour win. He won at the Greenbrier yep. in 2019, um, but an entirely different venue with entirely different stakes. So that's like the first event of the wraparound season kind of thing. Yep. Playing at Riv in front of Tiger, uh, uh, you know, with the all top 10 of the world's top 10 as your competitors and going out there and doing this, th this, this puts you in that upper echelon in terms of putting everybody on notice that, that the caliber of golfer that you are, you're, he's a potential major winner. Yeah, uh, for sure. No doubt. I mean, this was crazy strength of field. All top 10 players in the world were here and he slept on the lead every single night. And so the mental toughness, and it's just a phrase that we get so tired of, we got to invent something different, but the, the, Golf is so much in between the ears, uh, and he managed a mental four days that very few have been able to do. Now, listen, I, I think that's one of the reasons you got to be a little suspicious of him flying across the country this week. Yeah, <laughs> and and playing well in Florida, uh, my jaw's going to drop if he plays really well this week after the the just you know vice that his brain must have been sleeping on the lead those four nights. And it wasn't just sleeping on the lead; it was. Hey, as we always say, it's really hard to follow up a 63 or a 62 with a strong round the next day. So to do that and then go in the weekend and say, gosh, now it's weird. If I if I lose, it's a choke. It's a Norman-esque choke uh, of, of sort of epic proportions. And there were times where that lead started getting narrow, but you just never felt except maybe when Cam Young had the putt and, and, and Morikawa had the birdie putt on 18. You thought, I guess... Neiman's driver's gotten a little squirrely, you know, possible that he's going to put it left on, on, on the end of the rough on 18, but there just never was really a moment where it felt like the victory was in doubt. And that's just a credit to the way that he managed his way around the course. 
what did you find in terms of um, the rough? You mentioned the possibility of Neiman hitting in the rough and would that have done something. It didn't look like. It was down. Yeah, it looked down. It now, was down. Do they, it, it looked intentional as well. Do you think that that's, is that a function of the way the weather's been out there in Southern California over the last, like, you know, two years? It's impossible to grow rough up unless you just pour water on it. Or what, what do you think that's attributable to? We have not had a lot of rain. Super Bowl week was in the 80s yeah. and really warm. So I think that was a conscious choice, though, because it, the, the course becomes pretty damn difficult if they grow that rough up much more than it is. Even even that uh, yellow-brown grass that's in the burns around around the, the course uh, are, are was down relative to where it's been in years past. That said, look, we saw a lot of guys struggle uh, to get out of there. Now, Neiman, Neiman did not, ha- he was not particularly accurate with his driver and still was leading in proximity, uh, you know, over the weekend. So I, I saw a lot of guys in the rough not struggling with the lie, but I mean, hell, Harold Varner on 15 was left in the rough, tried to hit through a tree, hit a, hit the tree squarely, bounced back all the way behind the seven green. I mean, it's the course is hard enough if you're not in the fairway. And by the way, we saw Victor. I know. And, and we saw Victor and Aaron Wise yeah. both taking the line right on 15 into the 17th fairway for that reason, just because they felt like they had a better chance. I'm not necessarily sure that paid off. I don't know that any of those guys birdied from that line, but they they felt more comfortable, I think, with the angle going into that green. Yeah, that was, I was going to say, H- HV3 should have just banged it out there onto 17. I, I still like that. It is something just in general that if the course permits it, if it's set up in a manner where the players can be creative about the, that that approach, it's one of the things I always enjoy with Hawaii. Um, and and so I was glad to see it. I, I I didn't do any kind of a nerdy deep dive on whether the prevalence of guys going up 17 felt like a kind of a innovation by Hovland. Yeah, I only saw I saw Wise do it before Hovland. Okay. And then and then Victor do it. I will say this. The, the other thing on the rough, they picked some donkey circus pins this year. Sunday oh. was pretty ridiculous. They were hard and in some cases unfair. There were shots that were stopping 25 feet away where guys were like, that should have been four feet. Like, what yeah. what are we doing here? So they they chose to manage the the toughness of the course through the pins and a little bit the tee locations, which they moved up and back a lot this year, as opposed to trying to thicken up the rough. I think just because uh, on that course in particular, you know the angles coming in, the approaches are interesting, and uh, to to eliminate the possibility of hitting the green at all from the rough would have made it probably a less fun tournament to watch. The great thing about Riviera is every hole matters. There's literally not a single throwaway hole out there when they set it up right. So you're always having to think, always having to be mindful of pin placement and what's happening with the wind. Again, as you as you move your way down that canyon towards the bottom part of the course, that wind literally can pick up from hole to hole. So I love the way they set it up. I loved uh, the way that it played. And I think the leaderboard really reflected everything we knew, which is you've got this great young crop of golfers who were powering through and and to see Neiman come through, it, it's a big statement. It, it's as big a statement as we've had this year, even though we've had a bunch of classy winners, some first timers, this one felt like, wow, uh, once again, as you and I have said, the president's cup looks a lot harder today uh, than it did a year ago. I love it so much. Well, I, I you mentioned a short bit ago 
a uh, an epic Normanesque choke. And <laughs> speaking of such things, you for that, you know, it was just a week ago that we're sitting here on this podcast with our buddy Jason Sobel and. There was a speculation out there about what will Bryson DeChambeau do? Uh, some reports that maybe he's going to leave the PGA Tour. Some reports. that So that's kind of where we left it uh, at the beginning of the week last week. Since then, <laughs> a couple of things happened. I think the most prominent thing that, that ha- happened, and, and you, you chime in if you have a different view on this, but I think the most prominent thing that happened was Alan Shipnuck Posting an excerpt from his that he'd up- sat on for four months upcoming book, <laughs> right about Phil, where Phil just flat out told him, "I am gonna do this Saudi thing because my goal and intention is to put pressure on the PGA Tour." That he was p- doing some version, I guess, of a business play. I I don't know that I can Leverage. make any sense out of it, right? But it had the effect. I mean, he called the Saudis scary motherfuckers. He acknowledged their human rights abuses. He acknowledged, uh, you know, the the um, treatment of of uh, gay folks. He, and and he said, but but it, it I have a once in a lifetime opportunity to stick it to the tour, and that's what I'm going to do. So that seemed to have set a few things in motion from from there, right? Yeah, I it was building slowly but surely through the golf media and and the the fans who really care about the sport. It was really building over the last couple of weeks. The Charlie Hoffman post coming out of Phoenix on Instagram where he not coming out of Phoenix but while at Phoenix when he complained that you know the the PGA Tour was not protecting the players because of the rules and that this is why guys are going to go and then you had Phil and Bryson very quickly chiming in in the comment section that was a big moment charlie had to clean it up uh, literally and figuratively on instagram on saturday morning with a picture of him driving the trash truck but there you saw the relative discomfort like this was not going to get washed away in 48 hours like most bits of news do this was going to buzz a little more. And you felt it through this week. It just built, didn't it, House? Well, because it was a topic of conversation. Different guys had different opportunities to sort of go on the record and, you know, either pledge their allegiance to the tour or give something sort of less forceful in the way of a communication. And yeah, one of the guys who had uh, what I would characterize as a less than compelling um, you know, position on the matter was indeed our our winner of this week, Joaquin Neiman, who last Thursday said, you know, he didn't want to say anything, he didn't want to comment on it. He kind of left. Obviously, a lot's going on. He kind of left it uh open. Uh, you didn't bite down hard on any particular position, and he played in the in the Saudi International earlier this month. Yeah, but look, that let's let's be clear. This was the topic of conversation between players and caddies all week long. And as that dull roar turned into a loud roar over Phil's comments, Phil gave the tour a gift because there clearly was this week a coordinated 
uh, coordinated by the tour effort to get the guys who were staying to stand up and say definitively that they were staying. Right. That's the key. And that happened while the Phil comments came out and it just created this contrast that, uh, you know, I don't think we need to dramatically analyze those comments because I think it's been done in a lot of places. But what I will tell you is there are a lot of players who are pissed off with Phil because he, in their view, destroyed the opportunity. And I think the consensus and the buzz amongst players and caddies is that, for example, most of that Spanish-speaking contingent that you saw waiting for Yako and Neiman himself uh, on the 18th green, that those guys were gone and that they had committed and that, the, that in fact, the Saudi Golf League had purposefully gone after that group thinking, hey, there's an entire new market that we can tap into. And if we create a team of these guys um, that, that, you know, we'll be able to sort of make some inroads into their home countries. You know, there was a buzz about Cam Champ. Um, there was a buzz about, you know, some of the guys then who under pressure with the buzz of Phil's comments, you know, came out and said, hey, I'm, I'm not going. And, and that was DJ. Really? Yeah. When DJ came out with his post on, I believe it was Sunday. Sunday. Definitely Sunday. That was the nail in the coffin because without DJ, you suddenly can't make an argument that there's a bunch of great top 10 players in the world over there. Guess what? Well, Bryson's not in the top 10 right now. Yeah, except I, that that point is right. Although for my money, uh, Bryson's still like no the, the, the last significant, you know, top five move, eyeballs, move yes. the needle guy. Exactly right. Yeah. So it was really the death knell for me was his post, which came some number of hours after Dustin's post. <laughs> Loved that Dustin's post was put out by PGA Tour Communications. Like, what do you think that meant? It's it's just very deliberate. It's obvious, right? It's yeah. like we don't have to read too much into that. Yeah. Um, one of the curious things, and I know you had some time to spend with the guys um while you were there last week, it looked like there was some possible lining up of guys by by way of um equipment manufacturer, right? So Tiger, tailor made, Rory, tailor made, Morikawa, tailor made. The only, you know, sort of big hanging out there guy. Um, was DJ, right? Uh, uh, in terms of like all of the guys on the team coming together uh, and saying, I wonder if, if there was any role that the manufacturers played in any of this. Well, I think they all had an interest in making sure that uh, their guys were going to get the most exposure possible. And, and I think there probably was some nerves around how some of this was going to be perceived. And in all cases, when you sponsor a guy, I mean, I, you, you got to wonder what the workday team is thinking right now about Phil Mickelson, right? Yeah, uh, sure. It, it, but I, I, I think there was, I mean, we know that there were some of the elder statesmen from England who had decided that this was what they were going to do. And I'm telling you, there are groups of golfers right now who are furious with Phil over this. And in parallel, there's some percolating stories about Phil that are less than flattering tied to not just the Shipnuck book, but I think another uh, couple of books that are being written. W there are some anecdotes that probably aren't publishable at the moment, but it, it sure feels like there, we went from Phil winning the, the PJ championship at 50 to a guy who at this point is not just a pariah uh, because of the comments 
But now he's alienated the guys who he had helped recruit to this cause because of the sort of self-immolation that happened this week and the undoing of people who, I'm telling you, had started to count their money. So there is some question right now as to whether Phil's going to play another PGA Tour event. I know that's a big statement, but that was an active conversation this week on course. Is he actually even going to be out here again? Well, you know, the the natural uh, opportunities for him would be the players, which is the PGA Tours, you know, it's it's literally in their backyard. So that would be interesting and curious and it would become the, the story of, of the Players' Championship if he shows up and, and competes in it, right? Yeah. Um, the next, like, you know, legit opportunity would be the Masters. Masters. Except for he said uh, some untoward things about, you know, all the money that the Masters has been making off of the clip of him hitting from the pine straw. So I can't imagine, you know, I, I, I there's probably a couple of folks in green jackets who might want to have a word with him yeah. uh, to make sure he, he can explain himself. And then well, he's got to defend the PGA championship, doesn't he? I think so. I mean, look, if, if we're Phil's PR guys right now, we're telling him to do exactly what he's doing, which is go dark. Just, For a- for a while. Be quiet. Yeah. Let's see what happens here. The end of it is, you know, this thing didn't happen, at least not yet. It feels fairly, as, as Rory said, dead in the water. And it was Rory's comments post-round, by the way, that uh, really was, <laughs> was a murder, he, I mean, of Phil. I mean, I, he, I'm not sure there's an adjective out there that doesn't, you know, involve the, uh, an expletive that he could have used that, that would have been more uh, deadly. But at, at this point, if you're Phil's PR guys, you're telling him, just stay out of the way, be quiet. Let's see if we can get this thing to blow over. And then at some point, you know, you're going to come out with a story that said, hey, this was a business thing. We weren't actually going to do it. As I said, I was trying to leverage the PGA Tour and make it better for the guys, just like all the guys before me made it better for me. I think a lot of that was misunderstood at the time. I wish I hadn't shown my hand so early and try to, you know, ask for forgiveness in that way. Uh, the 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 most disingenuous comments of the weekend came from Bryson in the middle of a tournament. He wasn't playing, posting that to his Instagram a few short days after he'd posted something else to his Instagram that said, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Any information about where I'm playing will come from me. Well, what changed in five days? <laughs> the, the viability of the business enterprise. That's all. I mean, right. they, they had, you know, the news reports in which um, the, the, this for, for context purposes, uh, Shipnuck posted that excerpt. They they were as um, widely reported that they had twenty players signed to participate in that. Kramer um, Hickok said that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was you know a, a, clearly it wasn't binding. What? Well, <laughs> and and you have to have a league, right? There, there's you have to have enough guys, and, and they don't. Enough guys, they don't have enough. Who cares? So as as sharp toothed. And uh, discerning and unrelenting as the golf media has been about this subject, the most telling moment will be the next time that Phil and Bryson and DJ get in front of cameras and microphones because they're going to have to answer those questions. It would be unfair to not pose them. and it would be unfair for them not to answer. So I'm that's going to be the most interesting. I'm laughing because you know what DJ is going to do. Well, I can, we can, you and I can already do DJs. Yeah. Uh, who knows what Bryson will say? Um, 
he hasn't he doesn't have a, a a knack for for you know dancing around on camera um and and i think you're right the message you just laid out for phil is is the right message i just can't it's going to take me a long time to get over and make sense out of the the two versions of of phil i can't reconcile on the one hand his instincts for making himself a public persona in golf that felt larger than life really over like the last 36 months, his embracing of Twitter, of Instagram, um, and giving kind of a personal feel, uh, to, to, to his character and also doing all of this, the, the bombs bit and, and just engaging the, the players as an, as an elder statement statesman, and then going out and winning the PGA championship, at Kiowa. So you take sort of all of that, all of that, you know, his own innovation, his own instincts to put himself out there to enhance his brand, cement his legacy. He's a one of one. Nobody's ever won a major at an age older than Phil Mickelson. And yet, on the other hand, these instincts in terms of going on the record with Shipnuck, I'll never be able to make any sense out of it, where he thinks that he he's so smart that he can communicate a both sides of the street kind of, of, of message in a, in a manner that, that is, um, sensible and, and, you know, that will make sense to the, to the rest of us. And then going from, from, he knows that he gave those comments on the record. And then what he does in the first part of this year is give a public interview, uh, to, you know, a long interview to golf digest where he goes through, all of the reasons why the PGA tour has been unsatisfactory and, you know, and, and tries I, it, at the moment while we were trying to make sense out of it, it's like, okay, so he's going to be the voice. He's going to create the pathway because he'll be the loud voice in the room. And all these other guys will be able to sort yeah, of sink the shrapnel and everybody will come in behind him. But he knew when he gave that interview, what he told Shipnuck. I just don't think he thought it was going to be interpreted that way. I thought he, th I thought, I think he believed he was laying out a savvy business move, which was, I'm going to get leverage on the PGA Tour by creating this boogeyman, and I'm going to force the PGA Tour to make changes and ultimately stay. I think that's what he thought he was saying, and I do think there's a reading of those comments that was just that. The problem is that it was a lot more than creating a boogeyman. This thing was real. Players were signed, and again, they were counting their money. So now we're in this moment where we're actually feeling loyalty and defending a PGA Tour, which, by the way, ain't so great and has a lot of things to solve. I mean, could you believe the story this week that they're going to fine Harry Higgs and Joel Damon for uh, taking their shirts off on the 16th green and whipping them around? The PGA Tour posted those clips to their social media accounts. The leaders of the tour, you know, backslapped those guys at some point this week and said, loved what you did. That was great. Something to that effect. And these guys are going to get fined. Now, maybe the rules say, hey, you can't take your shirt off, so you got to get fined. But if they fine them more than a dollar, you got to be kidding me. Or, you know, if you want to find them and do a collaboration on some kind of a charity gesture, there you go. Um, then that then that's that's fine. That's fine. But but, but anything short of that is right. is, you know. But here we are defending a tour. Like, I get it. There's a lot to throw stones at. Yeah. And I just think that the public uproar 
uh, has put them in a position of of being you know something that we all feel loyalty to. And why do we? It's because we love tournaments like this last weekend, where there's a bunch of great players all battling it out, and Thomas is in the mix, and Morikawa is in the mix, and you got young guys, and oh look, it's Adam Scott wearing the camel sweater for the 16th day in a row. <laughs> like there's all kinds of fun stories right now. Do we really need to break this thing up? so that somebody can make a tiny bit more money. Uh, and I think some of the guys would say no, but there was so wait, much wait, money wait, there. There was so more. much more money there <laughs> yeah, that it was, it was worth it to me. Yeah. And those are the guys who, ironically, are the angriest with Phil Mickelson this week of February 21st. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by evernorth health services costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Well, let's go ahead and talk about some of those guys because they are going to be in Florida. They're in Florida right now. And they're going to get interviewed, I imagine. Ian Poulter is in the field. Henrik Stenson is in the field. Lee Westwood is in the field. Shane Lowry is in the field. These are all names that have been, you know, associated with uh, the, the, the Saudi enterprise. 
guys that he may may have may have signed, may have been part of the twenty that already signed, or or not. It's hard to say. Um, what do you anticipate those guys saying? Are they going to dance around it? Or are they going to um, speak to the merits? What do you think? It feels like they're going to dance around it, and it also feels like the tour might be putting a thumb on the scale this week. And so we're not going to get the questions. Is that it, what you're it, saying? I, I, it's we're recording this at noon Tuesday. We hadn't heard anything yet. We've heard a lot about Neiman talking about how great it is to win a PGA golf tournament. Nobody's asked him, hey, were you going to go? It, all those guys who hugged you on 18, had you guys already been talking about creating a team offline? Because that's what we're hearing. All right, well, look, look, Johnny Vegas is in this field. We could, uh, it's, you could definitely ask Johnny Vegas. Yeah. He's one so of the guys it, I like this week. It, there, there appears to be some wet blanket tossing on all this uh, as we switch from West Coast to Florida. But let's see. It's... It, it's going to be hard to keep this down for too long. That said, I just, again, Shipnick sat on this for four months. So uh, who knows what the timing and trickling out of that information is going to be. It is objectively strange. There's been no comment from Norman over this stuff, um, but it may just be that he doesn't really have much he can say other what than. What could he possibly say? Yeah. I mean, part of Larry the thing Mize that... just chipped in to beat me. <laughs> right. Like, again. Uh, that was just one one excerpt. Like, imagine the full transcript that the Shipnuck must have, right? He, he he wants to sell this book, so. And I gave, by the way, standing invite to Shippy. He can come on anytime. Uh, I sent him a note congratulating him on saving the tour, and that offered him to he can come on this this pod anytime he wants. But he doesn't need this pod. He's he's got plenty well, of big cameras. You uh, might in think front of his face. you might think that the Saudi Golf League had been effective in luring a bunch of players away if you just looked at the field that we're about to get at the Honda Classic at PGA National this week. Uh, after a week in which we had all 10 of the top 10 guys in the world, this week we have none of the top <laughs> 10 guys in the world. And I think we only have five of the top 25 in the world. So this one becomes harder because the course itself is a conundrum. One of the hardest courses on tour. Players, it's been like a combined, it was, it was 230 over par or something last year. We've got water in play on every single hole. So this, you and I normally love when we get those opposite field events or we get those off weeks because you can put some money down on guys that most people haven't been paying attention to. But this week, it's hard and the odds are weird. I mean, look, the last four winners of this tournament led the field tee to green. So the guys who are actually in this field who are leading you know, in, in that category or not leading, but, but doing well in that category, somebody like a Keith Mitchell, somebody like a Matt Jones, those guys all have pretty highly inflated odds this week, but because the West coast, the end of the West coast swing, some of the guys further down the board didn't even get in. We don't have a whole lot of data right now. So this, this one's a conundrum for me this week, house. How do you feel about this one? And is there anything that's jumping out at you as guys, we got to pay attention to? Well, it it is not only the challenge of the um, particular difficulty of this venue, but also like sizing up because I love to grab guys that feel like they're in form, sizing yeah. up that West Coast to to East Coast. You know the the you know the different group. We're going from from Poa to Bermuda. We're going from um, no humidity. To humidity, I haven't had a chance to break down all of the weather forecast yet, but it 
we know for sure it's going to blow. It always blows at this venue at this time of year. And it feels like it's the first time the guys are going to see any kind of like a wind challenge and in, in really what feels like a month. I mean, I can't think of another um, moment over the last three or four weeks where you may, there might have been a day in Phoenix where the weather blew a little bit, but uh, I just can't think of another tournament where the weather played any kind of a role, which, you know, again, all credit to the guys, but the scoring has also reflected that. So, you know, the... the it doesn't look that bad this week either. Well, what's the wind forecast? It's I saw like 11 and 13, not something crazier than that. Not the, but the 11 to 13 and then gusts to 20 is, yeah, that, is yeah, then, still more, still yeah. more than, than, yeah. So the guys, we were getting another Brooks Kepka. We've been getting a lot of golf out of Brooks Kepka lately. Now he hasn't been playing particularly well. He did play decent in Phoenix. Yeah. And but, then a little bit of a letdown this week. I mean, freaking just for perspective on how diluted this field is chases in this field. Chase Kepka might be the better scorer here. Well, Brooks, you know, has a handful of, of exemptions. He gave one to, to, to Chase. What's you, wrong with that? How, how do you feel about the a lot of the analysis that's happening around this tournament is how guys play in Florida? Like, is in Florida a stat that we should care about? Aren't these think, courses different or is it just tell yeah, me? Well, no, I think so. Yeah, I think that makes plenty of sense. Um, the, the, the sort of in Florida aspect of it yeah so the in in for sure it's replete in justin ray um analytics and, and data that's out there um where you're where you're showing he's showing historically rounds of guys that that have had success in florida i think there is a common element of water florida hazards <laughs> yes florida man for sure yes uh shout out Publix sandwiches which are awesome uh and you know the 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 water the the there there's the the breezes at this time of year the Bermuda greens for sure there's kind of some some common characteristics. Right. But so if right? we look at those if we look at those stats then they all tell us it's Sung J M. It is that's right that's or what they tell us. Tommy Jesus Fleetwood. But like, do we believe the Fleetwood hype? He's no. ranked lower than Tom no. Hoagie and Phil no. Mickelson in the no. world. No. Like that, all- that feels like when we got a zig off of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sung Jae's got to show up on your card. You can't not, yes. ha- not have yes. him on. I mean, he I saw him last week. He was he was meh. He had one bad day. He had a bad yeah. Saturday. He shot yeah. a 75 on Saturday. Otherwise, he was under par. He shot par on the first day and under par the other two days. Uh, and and decent ball striking. The thing that that um, this place now this is, um, I, I I I'm trying to distinguish when we say. It's really important that ball strikers, you know, this is an important place yeah, for ball strikers. We say it every week and, yeah. and you know, strokes gained approach is important. Um, but this this especially because of the the water, the prevalence of the water, and yeah. you combine that with the unpredictability of the It's of not the a wind. long course. I mean, it's no. not going to be a 70, 70, 100. Yeah. So... so- those give you a bunch of, of, of traits, a bunch of attributes. Um, and then you look across the, the, the recent winners at this venue and you kind of have a profile, but still the, the guys in the field who, 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 who jumping off the board at you in, in this mix so far? Uh, Nobody. I mean, here's, you know, you're going to hear a lot about Keith Mitchell. He's been playing great. 15th tee to green overall this year. He's got three top tens, previous winner here, 
seems like it's about that time for him to break through. I mean, even Nance was talking about Keith Mitchell on the on the Pebble telecast. Uh, Russell Knox is six over on his career here. That's the best on tour. Uh, okay, we got to take a look. Matt Jones won by five last year at 12 under. That's a huge win, right? But that was a 61 or 62 on Thursday. What That's right. That's right. That, it, that was the whole tournament. He but, won the tournament on Thursday. But there was a moment this week when he was second tee to green only to Neiman at the Riff. I watched him play this week. He wasn't putting very well, but it, boy, he uh, he was hitting the ball pretty good. He is sneaky long uh, and straight. I mean, the dude hit a lot of fairways this week. So the game, the game is in form for Matt Jones, and I think that's why he's maybe up on the on the leaderboard. Look, when he won, Danny McCarthy and CT uh, CT Pan both finished T3. McCarthy has two top tens this year. He's 10th in scoring average overall. CT Pan was ninth this last week at Riviera. So I like those guys, but you know what? I, the odds on them are not great. I mean, yeah, you're not getting value. The you're kind not of value, value you want. So you know who else was T3 with those guys? Chase Seifert. And Chase Seifert, you can get some value on <laughs> this week. He's all the way down the, yeah, he's way down in, in the, in the like plus, I don't know, <laughs> where is he? Is he above or below Chase Kepka? I gotta, uh, I, I gotta figure it out, but he's not, he, look, that that's the kind of value that you're going to, that you're going to look for this week. You know, Austin Smotherman at like <laughs> 190 to one. Yeah, somebody tweeted at us that he got him at, at 280 to one. I, I, I didn't get that number. Yeah. He's 28th in, in T to green shots gained this year. So there's, there's a potential play. I just, I look at the top of this odds board and say, so much of this is being run up by, uh, by some sort of historical stats. I, I would try to just play some bets further down the board. Cause I, I don't love anybody who's sitting at the top of the leaderboard outside of Sung Jam. I mean, Daniel Berger, he's hurt. Do you really trust it? That's I don't trust problem. it. No, you, you don't want to lay too much exposure on that. I'm, I got a couple guys for you. I'm looking Let me at, hear it. at Johnny Vegas. Um, Every every time this tournament pops up, I can just my mind's eye can see him. He's he's been solid ball striking wise. Uh, um, got a bunch of top thirties, uh, four top thirties in his last five events uh, here at, at PGA National, uh, and he was tied for fourth in twenty seventeen. So, and he's got the good vibes of his, uh, you know, his fellow Spanish speaking brother okay. Yako, uh, you know, to to to. Pull um and and then uh Billy Horschel, yeah, who has not missed a cut. I was this is our boy Rick Gaiman, uh, has not missed a cut since the US Open last year. Tied Florida for man tied himself. for eleventh at Tory, tied for six in Phoenix, three top sixteen finishes in his past five um outings at this venue. Mm. Little like maybe put some little little yeah. something that on, one, on Horschel that one for feels this one. pretty good. That one I mean that might maybe good. that's chalky though at this point right uh, well it is chalky but i mean you're gonna get him at 21 to one i mean you got to take those guys w when they yeah. get into that range I, I don't blame you for that one at all he's been a different guy since he won the bmw in europe like he that one really oh, seemed to sure. matter to him yeah. for some reason it, there was something about it that really flipped a switch for him and and he's just been a, a hell of a golfer I, I, do you do you buy the nikolai hogard hype you have to have to Nikolai, way, Nikolai Hogard from Denmark. Denmark. We Denmark. He's from Denmark. And it's not his twin Rasmus either. No, Nikolai is uh, 20 years old. His twin is also 20 years old. <laughs> it turns out. It's incredible. 
<laughs> how that works. But uh, he's on a heater. Why not? Why not? Yeah, Why he's won he twice it? on the European tour. What I mean, number are you? What number are you seeing for him? He's seventy third in the world. Uh, number number for Nicholas forty one to one. Sure, that's it's worth ten bucks. It's worth ten bucks. Why All right. Not? Fine. I mean, we did a little like Garrick Higo, the way that he won. Uh, what was that? A Congaree last year. Yes, that, he's got that vibe to me. Right? Okay. That, that same well, you can get Garrick thing. seventy to one. I, I'm fading everybody who's was associated with the Saudi tour this I, week. I understand. They're they got to be so mad. I think that's why I'm off on all the euros. It's yeah. like get them out. And, and and I I'm a little nervous about some of the. Spanish speakers just for the same reason that maybe. Okay. So you'd be off Vegas potentially. Maybe. I mean, I, you know, they all seemed happy enough on the 18th green on Sunday though. So maybe they can recover given the way they hang. What else do you see this week? I mean, we got some of those guys from the corn Ferry tour. You know, Cameron Young is obviously one of them. I'd be stunned if he can keep the momentum up this well, week. Well, he's but. 60 to one. Do you want a top 20 him or, or, I mean, his strong suit does not seem of a match. No. We don't know enough about his strong suit yet because he's just now appearing in these events. It um, just, it just scares me. I, I feel like he hung in there for four days and it had to be mentally exhausting. Um, Tell me what number I can get for Patty Harrington. Patty Harrington? Yeah. Because you want a little wind mutter. You want to... Patty Harrington, he's 90 to 1. He's won this event twice. He had five straight top 25 finishes uh, on the Euro Tour. Now, he um, tied for 56th in the senior event last week. Oh, boy. (laughs) But you know what? He was in Florida. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find... Uh, some ads on odds on Patty Harrington to top twenty. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a top twenty. Old guys got to stick together, Nate. Dog. Us old right. guys got to stick together. I, Lucas Herbert is a wind guy too. I, he, you can get him at eighty to one. So He's, South Africans and and Australians, I, I are definitely worth. You a, love them in the wind. You know I do. You know I do. Um, what about Huddy? Huddy's Huddy's all or nothing this year. Swafford. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him on some of these lists. I, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. He's, he's in that 90 to one range. Again, if you're picking between Huddy and Podrick Harrington, I'm all in on Huddy. <laughs> well, Podrick's just a little top 20, you know, just a little solidarity play. That's all. Sure. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned Denny McCarthy. That's, that's the top 20 play for me. Gonna do Here's something the on one. Nikolai. Here's the one we got to talk hear. about. Let's and this it. is, this is maybe where we need to ping Sobel because Sobel's in tight with the Streelman camp. Yeah. Streel, uh, Streelman and to a lesser extent, Brendan Steele. Yeah. Are, are, are traditionally really good on this course. Yeah. I but mean, they, Brendan Steele had those slept on the lead a couple years ago, but they just have not been playing well. Like Brendan Steele's missed a lot of cuts. Is he even in this tournament? I, I think he's maybe taking. So. Is he? No, I, I know that. I know that Streelman is, and Streelman's at like one twenty to to one. Yeah, Brendan Steele's at seventy to one. Yeah, uh, like he's in this. Yeah, th- so that feels a little inflated because of the way he's played in years past. But I actually think in this field, if he hadn't missed five or six cuts in a row, he might be more in the like forty five to one range. So it, there is some value in both of those guys right now because they haven't been playing great. Okay, I I, I can live with that. It, I mean, it, it's kind of an all or nothing. Yeah. But you might just, in the same way we regretted not taking Rory when he was 22 to one or whatever at Quail Hollow, like I, you might regret it just because and maybe it's a top 20 bet. It's not Brooks a win. Was, 
Brooks was thirty five to one last week. I put a uh, I put twenty bucks on him out of, out of principle. Anytime okay, well, Brooks is above how, how thirty, do you feel what's his number? To, this twenty. No, no, no. That's a not play. You're staying not, away. Yeah. It's how do you feel about Chase at uh, five hundred to one? I, you know what I will, but if I can find the odds, I'll bet him to make the cut. I want I want the Kepka brothers to be around for the weekend. Okay, could I'll happen. Just, I bet with my heart. That's uh, what I want not? to happen. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. This is this is not an easy week. Uh, no, I, I you know Aaron Rye is going to get some action because we've seen him earlier. Like you start looking down the list on the KFT guys who are you know they just had a reshuffle like coming out coming out of there who who might be able to play well, but we really have have seen the best of them, I think, between Grace and Sig, you know, uh, Hayden Buckley, but he withdrew. What, is, is Benny on coming over? Benny on is not coming over. Okay. So he, he, he I mean, he, he took his... He won the KFT last week. Yep. But he but that does not get him qualified, unfortunately. All right. Well, I didn't know if, if he, his status, uh, He'll be back next he year, baby. There. Um, little, I do want to mention Alex Noren. He shows up on Tobel's list, uh, and he reminded us, you know, he had four rounds in the 60s at Phoenix and uh, finished tied for sixth. He likes playing this. He has four Honda starts. He finished third all by himself in 2018. So we know that if he's in form, mm. um, you know, he, he he's making cuts. Now, he, he finished tied for 39th at the Farmers and only... 48th at Riv. Only 48th at Riv. But, you know, if there's a comfort thing and and we're looking for guys with that grind mentality, that grind ability, I like like Norrin. Yeah, he's still putting really well. He's still gaining almost a shot uh, putting. You know, I love it. And that's really what he did in the weeks before. So, look, I'm I'm not going to keep you from going Norrin in a week like this. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe there'll be some matchups. as well for us to to take a look at. I do want to make a, a quick note. You know, we've been trying some of these FanDuel boosts, Nate. We've been last week's was a combo of Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay to both top twenty. Uh, they both made the cut. Only Can- one of those Cantlay, two guys yeah. made, made. Cantlay just could not get he um, his putter. He couldn't. He he putted for shit. And I don't he rallied know where... to make the cut, but he just could not. No, but, he had a yeah. decent Saturday, and I thought it might. You know. Um, turned into something on Sunday and they started off with 12 straight pars. I just want to make a point about these boosts that we're doing though. We're trying to get odds that are between like, you know, plus 250 or, or better on these combinations with the idea that if you only have to hit a couple to get plus on your, your investment, we're trying to generate a little ROI. They're not all going to, now we've only hit one. So, uh, you know, we, we have another couple to go here before the the negative turns positive, but the point of the boost is to boost the the, the return. So there is, you know, embedded in this thing more risk than than we might take on our own selves, you know, sort of normally. Is this uh, your way of keeping people from getting pissed off at us? No, there are people that are pissed off, and 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 it's fine. But I just want to make sure we're that generally that, right on this podcast house. And what don't we're talking, forget it. The way that we. <laughs> talk about our cards with these plays we're making individual plays on top 20s individual plays on matchups like the betting yes. strategy that i have every week coming into a golf week is a whole sort of you know menu maybe a, a 10 to 12 different plays only a handful 
of combinations. It's not not often, but the combinations we're working in collaboration with the FanDuel guys to try and juice this thing up to make it fun for everybody. That's all. So what are we doing this week? Is Jim Herman yet. in there? I don't. I don't. I'm still working on it. I'm still. This could early. be a Hermy week, by the I'm way. I'm still in my research. Is he even in the field? He is. Okay. Five hundred to one. He and Grayson Murray have the same odds. But Hermy, once every two years, just turns it on and goes and grabs it. He well, loves if Florida. he ends up, if he ends up in the same group as your brother, then I'm a thousand percent gonna put something on him to do. You know, to make the cut. I'll bet. I'll bet him to make the cut. No, no. He loves playing with your brother. He the last time he played with your brother, he, he won. He boomeranged. It's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, everyone who plays with him goes on to win. Uh, and I am sorry to tell you it's Schwartzel and armor this week. So. Okay. Well, that, that until the weekend, then, then we'll see. No, oh, fair enough. We could live bet it. All right, Nate dog. We've done it. Uh, the Saudi golf league is dead for now. Um, long live the Saudi golf league, I guess, you know, it, it will be interesting and this will be, I'll, I'll just, you know, leave it. We don't have to keep going through it, but, that money is there. It's not going anywhere. The goal of of that league, the the informing thesis, is it's all there. And you know, we have been puzzling about well, how are they going to get eyeballs? I, you know, they're not doing a deal with any television, you know, delivery vehicle that exists now. I I think they're gonna they'll stream this thing, and it might be on the SGL, you know, the live the the live SGL channel or something like that. Um, and, and try and catch eyes their, their own way. But um, I don't think that we've heard the last of it. That's all I'll say. When there's that much money behind anything, it, it it's going to be a Friday the 13th movie. Like, <laughs> he, he's just going to keep coming back. He's just going to keep coming back. Uh, and hopefully the knife doesn't catch anybody besides Phil because it's got Phil right now. <laughs> Nate Dog, we've done it. Heal up, Phil. Heal up, Phil. Uh, best of luck. Um, best of luck to all the birdie buddies, the Eagle enthusiasts, the par saving pals this week. It's getting warmer on the East coast, Nate. Um, so I, I managed to sneak out yesterday it was in the low sixties here in, Ooh, in the, in the DMV. I heard we might have a little chance to play in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, on a West coast. I, you know, the, the tour goes West to East. I go East to West. I like to zag. I'm a zagger, as you know, <laughs> zag hard, baby. There we go. Thanks everybody. We shall be back next week. In the meantime, please hit him straight up there. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.